uh, I haven't used IGF in the last couple of years, but when I did use it, every time I used it, my hunger would be I didn't remember that really high, higher than when I was on um, even growth hormone. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the next episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear. Today, I'm hanging out with Coach Skip Hill, and we are answering your listener questions. If you want to take part in the next show, then comment below. We will tackle your questions then. Plus, comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost us in the algorithm. You guys have been doing a great job with that, and thank you for helping us get to 20K subscribers. This week, we're going to talk about topical fat burners. We'll discuss MK677 to increase appetite. We got a message from the sweaty guy in the gym. You know who he is. There's The sweaty guy is in every gym. And he wants to know how can he be less sweaty. Plus, related to that, we talk about high sodium and pumps, issues with shoulder injections. Can you use insulin just to help bring up weak body parts? If you're new to our content and you want to learn the most you can to help yourself or your clients, then let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. This show comes out every Friday. We have experienced coaches like Skip, IPV pros, and educators in our industry. We're all here to help you do better at the sport that we love, uh, get you through your work day or your cardio or your drive or whatever else you're doing. Stay safe in the process and, you know, have some fun. All right, guys, let's get to the program. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. I'm with Skip Hill. My name's Scott McNally, in case you didn't know, because you're new to our podcast. Uh, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for additional savings. Uh, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Check them out for great deals. Uh, we are brought to you by Patreon. You guys at Patreon, thank you so much for everybody who's helping to take part and support the show. We're also brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition for everybody in the UK. And... This episode's brought to you by TeamSkip.com. And I can go like TeamSkip.com. <laughs> there you go. We just have a bunch of Q&A today, man. Uh, by the way, guys, if you're new to our content, uh, we put out several bodybuilding podcasts per week. Uh, today, we're going to do a Q&A. We encourage you to hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. There's a lot of stuff that comes out, a lot of education, entertainment for you. I'm with Skip Hill here. He's been coaching for 20 years. It's a long time to be coaching people. How many people do you think you've coached, Skip? I said thousands oh, on God. the last show. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's funny because coaches get slammed for saying that they, which is good, but they get slammed for saying they've trained thousands of people because I think Dave Tate did the, the math on it one time. And he's like, unless you train this many people each year for the last 25 years. And I'm like, well, I haven't trained that many, but I've trained. So I started doing some math and I'm yeah. like, I'm up there, but thousands implies a lot multiple. of thousands. Yeah. yeah. Multiple yeah. thousands. Yeah. For a, for a long time, I mean, I've been making a living at it and raised four kids. Meaning uh, you've done it full time. Yeah, so, I mean, you've invested you know, an entire day every day. Yeah, so, exactly. as have I, just not, but not for as many years as you have, that's for sure. Anyway, but you also have the, a lot of time on the podcast, too. And let me make this point you have arrived, and I'll tell you how I know you've arrived because I did the Thinking Man's podcast last week. And somebody trolled the fuck out of you in the comment section. What did they and say? It was, it was funny. I didn't respond that it was funny, but he just said something. I mean, it was something. It was one of those trolls that they never have any content themselves. It's like they just sign up to go troll because it's anonymous. Yeah. It's funny because I would imagine that uh, Eric Bassett might even know what the Fox forums are like if he follows, um, you know, Tucker Carlson. He might be on the. Fox News forums, and they're just as anonymous and just as horrible That's as funny. YouTube. That's funny. But anyway. Funny. And I did respond with, what does Scott have anything to do with me doing the Thinking Man's <laughs> podcast? Like, what? We're, like, you know Scott, so I'm going to bash Scott to, to you. Not on our podcast. That's like funny. The, the comments for our podcast. At least I don't think. Maybe he has. That's I funny. We, you know what? I don't pay much attention to the trolls. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the reality is, it's like, you know who doesn't troll me? Um, you, first of all. And, you know, people that we ha like Mr. Olympia doesn't troll me, you know, right. people who are better than me, people who have like done more than I have. They're not the ones that troll you. And I think that's a good lesson for everybody to remember. You Absolutely. know, the world of the Internet, like you said, is so um, 
it is so it's so anonymous that it could be anybody and you automatically think that it's like your peer but in reality it's probably some guy that's he's got his own issues you know there's so much we could go into that but sure you know it's funny when you is, get trolled by your peers then you know <laughs> there might be something to this it, yeah yeah that's true <laughs> it's funny because the first time when we got a troll for dusty on it's just bodybuilding he was like leave it I was like, Dusty, we got this comment in, and I didn't know him well yet. And I was like, we got this comment in. What do you think I should do? And he was like, leave it. Let everybody else handle it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we got a bunch of stuff lined up for you. Basically, your listener questions. If you guys uh, are new to our content, we do a lot of your listener questions, and that's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to dive straight in with uh, this one from Josh Weaver. He says, uh, great show. I have truly learned a ton from this channel, and I truly appreciate the whole damn team on every show. Question for the next show. Topical water pulling Fat burner like lotions, like NPA Vaso Burn, Vaso Dry, and BPI Shredding Gel. Also, thoughts on cortisol blockers uh, like MPA uh, Cortisol or the Gorilla Chemist Corto Block. Um, have you guys used these, and are or are they a waste of money or worth the purchase? Yeah, this is actually a pretty good question. It covers a lot of stuff, though. Yeah. Let's start with like the uh, yeah, what do you want to start the with? topicals. Okay, so it was topical water, like Vaso Dry, right? I think he said even like Vaso Burn. Yeah, he said Vaso Burn. Well, he did say topical okay. water pulling slash fat burner. So how about topical fat burning? How how about that? Okay. So like Vaso Burn would be a good example. I mean, I don't want to single that one out because you know obviously that's Matt's you know product and it, it sells very. I well. bought it. Yeah, exactly. And I've had clients use it too. Here's my thing. And I'm just going to be brutally honest. I do not think at all that it is specific to the areas you apply, apply it to. I, it, I'm talking about specifically for Vasoburn and or, or a topical fat burner. Okay. Um, and I'm using Vasoburn because it's, to me, it's the most popular one that a lot of people know about. I think that what happens is it does work, but it doesn't work any well or any better than taking oral yohimbine because you it ends up going systemic and it works. It, instead of putting it in your mouth, you put it on your skin. Here's the, the thing that I don't, I don't like a lot about it. I'd rather take it orally and then not stink. And then I can have sex with my wife and not get burning sensations in places where I'm not supposed to because hands have been in different spots. And, and that's what, it's just a really messy thing. And I think that it sells real well because and, and I don't want to imply I got to be very careful. I don't want to imply that, you know, Matt is being was being misleading or anything like that. I feel where other people do, other people think that I'm wrong. They think that there is a very uh, area specific, like if you apply it to your abs, that it will burn more fat there. Yeah. That just defies science to me. It, it will go because it's the molecular weight is less than 400. It has a vehicle that takes it transdermal that gets into your system and works like anything else. I think the reason people use it is they will feel the capsaicin. They'll feel it burn. And look, it's been a long-standing rule in in supplement in the supplement industry for years that if you feel something, you're going to sell a lot of that shit. Beta alanine is a good example. You can feel it when you take something that you don't feel. Then you're completely banking on what it does on paper. EAAs would be a good example. You're not ever going to really prove from a quantitative standpoint. You can't look and go, oh, I have more muscle after a year of using EAAs. You just rely on the science, you rely on the studies, and you, you rely on the fact that it's not very expensive. You take it orally and you forget about it, you know, yeah. in your intra or whatever else. Uh, but I don't think that it does anything for fat burning in a specific area. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I, there's always the thing we can come back to of like, we've been able to get in shape before that was around and so many people don't use it and do great. But then at the same time, when new things are discovered, they had to be started. Some, do you know what I'm saying? There's like, sure, absolutely. at the same time though, I feel like I've tried it personally. I couldn't really tell if there was a difference. I've had clients who had it clients that wanted to like, if I have a client, like you said, you've had clients that use it. If I have a client who's like, Hey, I really want to use this. 
Like as long as it doesn't break your skin out or give you a rash, I'm totally cool with it. Mm -hmm. But I haven't, I haven't really been able to tell a, a difference. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I think that being able to ingest it orally, that's gonna, that's proven. Like to me, that's 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 proven to me. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. I think there is data on topical yohimbi or yohimbine. I think there is data on it. Uh, but I haven't really seen it translate. The only way we could really know would be to do like one love handle for your whole prep. Yeah. And if somebody out side. there, yeah. Yeah, if somebody out there wants to do one love handle for their whole <laughs> prep every day and risk looking asymmetrical, I'm totally down to do a whole feature about you on the podcast. So you have and to. And if you do that, make sure you take pictures because you will, we will gladly that's what I'm go saying. over the pictures. And I will, you know, that's the thing that I've always said over the years. If there is proof of something, I will, I have no problem, you know, standing corrected or being corrected i have no i have no problem with that uh they used to do the same thing back in the day on the message boards with um injecting IGF? i think it was injecting gh or igf oh. yeah locally where the one guy argued well i have a quarter size spot that is it you know where you can clearly necrotic see tissue? We're, we're laughing because we're like yeah it just ate the i mean it was necrotic it just ate yeah. the fucking tissue bro that's not that's not, you're not going to like burn body fat to where it's like a hole in your skin. I mean, come on now, give me a break. But yeah. So now when you go to the water, like Vaso dry, I will tell you this. I, I still think it's the same type of situation where it goes systemic and it's a mild diuretic. Okay. Unless, unless there is a component of it that I'm not aware of that is similar to what would be in like preparation H yeah. preparation H will actually dry and make skin tight in a specific area because that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I laugh, but you know, you're supposed to put it on your butthole because it needs, it, you have hemorrhoids. I mean, that's the whole point. That is such so an old you, school trick too. You know, it is, but the truth is, is it really did. I'll tell you this. I have seen, I don't want to get stuck on the, the um, preparation H, but that shit really, I've seen it work it too. It did work. It my first prep, work. it's my messy, first prep. Oh, people yeah. don't do that. Like it, they used to, you know, no. They, no, they don't. No. That's an old school, you, old school. Well, and when you trade it in for like Vaso dry, yeah. it's not the same thing because again, I don't think that it's area specific, but I will tell you this, it does work really, really well. For people who have, I call it old man skin because I have it too. I don't have it horribly bad, but mm -hmm. I have seen one guy in particular. He's a approved trainer of mine from South Africa and I have seen him use it and I have seen him not use it. And the changes in his glutes really were dramatic. He had loose skin to where huh. I'm talking that, about that like was with skin, the Faso like, dry. Yes, with the Vaso Dry. And he said, I will not do a prep without it. No now, shit. I argue that it's just a diuretic component that is allowing then the skin to tighten up. Because you can loose. do that by pulling water, you know, sure. like step, exactly. like their whole body. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I tell you, it was dramatic and it, it was really like I was like slack jawed i was like holy shit and here's the thing if it is just from pulling water it's almost like you took more of an otc diuretic or took more hydrochlorothiazide whatever yeah but it works for you and this is what i always tell people this is the same thing for you know vaso burn if you use it and you think it works yeah. then don't go by what i'm saying if you think it works use it if you're not sure, then pull it out and do your next prep or cut phase without it and see if you feel like there's a difference. That's the whole trial and error type of thing. I said before in the other show, BPC for me hasn't, I don't feel has worked very well, if at all. L-carnitine hasn't worked very well, if at all, but it does for some people or maybe it doesn't and they think it does. I don't know. <laughs> but if you think something is working, it's in a relatively innocuous substance. Yeah. Use it. If you think that using 400 milligrams of anadrol a day works, that's a not an innocuous supplement. So that would be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Listen, I'm going to move on to the, a question we have in the live stream because to me, 
that totally ties into what you're just saying. Um, Laser had said uh, the feeling from beta alanine goes away if it's taken every day, like it's meant to be taken so it can build up over time. Uh, I thought there was a question in there. Oh, I guess there's not. He just was and making a statement, it, it, I guess. But I, I well, got me he's thinking. Listening. He's responding, I think, to may, he may even be responding to what I said about beta, okay. beta alanine. But oh, that comes back to what it. I was saying, too, in that maybe it does for him, but maybe it doesn't for somebody else. I can't use it. I don't. It doesn't go away. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It I doesn't say, go away I, for me. I can't. You know, I, I just saw beta screen. alanine and I thought he was asking about if you should take it or not take it. I'm trying to talk to you and read the, you know. But yeah. here's what I was going to say is that. Somebody had commented uh, on a post about beta alanine, like, oh, it's totally a waste. And, you know, my, and, and there are people out there that are like, I don't like it. I think the gorilla chemist, when we had him on, he's not a fan. He doesn't like like he doesn't like the, the tingling sensation. And for that reason, he doesn't put it in his products. Me, on the other hand, I love that feeling. It takes me back to the first time that I ever experienced that. And I was like, oh, shit, something's happening. Sure. And then I went and trained and guess what? I had a great workout, incredible pumps. And and I do think for me, like I get crazy vascularity on it. There's something to it that definitely works for me. But not only that, that feeling, I get bummed if I take it and I don't feel that I get bummed if I don't feel it. It's like, to me, it's like, it's, it is like a, a Pavlov's dog thing where right. I know that I'm going to have like a killer workout. It's time, you know, it's a time to train when I take that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it is supposed to be taken daily to get the effect. You're supposed to kind of run it on a regular basis, even on your non-training days. The only thing I've noticed is it 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 differs. The effect differs for me if I eat, like how full my stomach is. I don't know. But you you couldn't compare because you, you don't use it at all with the nerve damage. Huh? I can't. Yeah, I can't. It literally, it just hurts. It hurts okay. like bad. Yeah, well, we don't want that then. Um, Matt Blevins, speaking of... Um, Odd supplements. He had asked about uh, BPC 157. He said thoughts. On, no, excuse me. On MK 677. Um, he says he's thinking about trying it just to get an appetite. Have you had any clients that have used it for that purpose yet? Well, I don't have too many clients who have used it and it, that it hasn't increased their appetite. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it always, it always did for me as well. Um, I think with MK677, there's not any or much question about whether it works or not. The question is to what degree and how long it works. Yeah. Um, but it definitely will increase appetite. It'll make the vast majority of people have more vivid dreams. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I remember better on it. Yeah, I I I sleep real well anyway. I've never in in my life really had to deal with insomnia or anything like that for any length of time. Um, but one thing I did notice on it was sometimes within the first ten or fifteen minutes of falling asleep, yeah, I would have to wake myself up like you're having a very bad dream. Yeah, and it's very vivid because the dreams seem to be more vivid on MK. And if it's a bad dream, I I don't know if other people can do this, but I can pull myself out of a a dream. I don't Sometimes. know if it's because I know I'm in it, yeah, or I'm yeah. just starting to fade off to sleep, and I know, and I I will literally, but I have to get up and I have to move around for a few minutes and do something because if I go right back to sleep, I'm right back in the same damn dream. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, it's it's weird. Huh. It's fucking weird. We did. Uh, so this was years ago. Scott Stevenson had pulled up a bunch of research on it. And it, as far as growth hormone release goes, it had been shown in, in, in at least one of the people that had taken it, that it stopped working within it within the first week. Mm -hmm. And it may have stopped working sooner because they didn't test except for after day one and then after day seven. After day seven, it was no longer, there was no more increase. So it could have stopped working on day two for this guy, for all we know. Mm -hmm. So when you talked about things having, you know, a different response for everybody, I mean, who knows, man? I feel like, I feel like it, 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 it created a lot of water and I'm thinking back, I'm remembering as I'm talking, created a lot of water retention for me. Yes. Yep. I, I didn't really notice a huge hunger boost, but that hunger thing, man, I've never noticed anything that gave me like a ton of hunger. Like I did the GHRP six. That didn't really give me a ton of hunger either. Have you, have you got, have you remember back in the day, like I'd say 2012, 
Like everybody was like talking about, well, if you need to increase your appetite, you take GHRP six. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember it. I always noticed it from from growth hormone. I noticed. See, that. I don't get that so, either. Ever. See, but I would. Oh, okay. See, because I was just going to go to the people who might not have an increase in appetite on MK six seven seven. It may not be impacting their IGF levels like it ah. does for you know higher dose GH. Um, which obviously makes most people more hungry. Uh, there was one other thing that I say, and I'm drawing a blank right now because I and I just had it, but it was the uh, and it was based on hunger. I'll get it here in blood come sugar. Back to me in just a second. Ah, thank you. That's what I figured you might have been going. Yeah, yeah. It was, with, it was with IGF. actually IGF because you've heard me say uh, I haven't used IGF in the last couple of years, but when I did use it, every time I used it, my hunger would be I didn't remember that really high higher than when I was on um, even growth hormone so it really really impacted my because I said it made me leaner and people yeah would there were some people who disagreed with me I think Austin was one of them or he said that it that it was more of a blood sugar issue and less of a hunger issue um, that's or was what, asking me if it was maybe he wasn't necessarily disagreeing, okay. but he was he was questioning it based on uh, blood sugar levels which could have been but if I wouldn't have gotten leaner then I would have thought okay that could be because I wasn't monitoring blood sugar levels at that time yeah it was in retrospect that uh, in, in hindsight that I was talking about that I was getting leaner. It wasn't at that time because if it were at that time, then I would have just monitored my blood sugar to see what it was. But I got leaner and I didn't change anything. You know how I am. I'm very, very yeah. structured. I don't change a lot of variables. Even my clients know that. I won't change a lot of variables at once because if something changes, I want to know why. I don't want to go, oh, well, it's just cool that it changed. Right. I want to know why it changed. And if you change four or five variables at once versus changing one or two, you're going to know you're going to have a much better idea of how or why something changed. Oh, and I know the other thing I was going to ask you was this. And I think Scott, Dr. Scott Stevenson would agree with me. If it's only one person that they, they stopped having high uh, growth hormone or IGF levels after a week. Yeah. Yeah. That because he's so focused on, on studies and science, I think he would agree too, that he would probably want to see more than just one person and and follow to see if they would have that same there was a situation that was one person out of a study there was a study of a bunch of people they all had different responses and at the lowest end there was one guy that stopped oh, responding he was using the one example at the yeah, lowest end exactly okay, so did exactly. everybody else in the study or did a lot of the people in the study stop responding after a week or so uh, I can't remember what the what the levels were, honestly. I really can't. Okay. And I should ask him to bring that back up because it's been years now since we yeah. like since the old advices days, the advices radio days, since we we talked about that. But it'd be cool to revisit that because there are still a lot of people like it's interesting that stuff. MK was so popular 10 years ago. And it, it really hasn't lost popularity. Like it's not as popular no. as it was, but it's still around. It hasn't gone away, you know? When you also have different qualities of supplement companies and where all of a sudden you have, you know, a thousand supplement companies putting out MK and then you go to your source and you see it on a list, you know, you have to wonder if the quality of the MK that, you know, is on a sources list might be a little bit better than what the majority of supplement companies are putting out. Yeah. Right. I don't know one way or the other. I'm just saying, I, just from a logic standpoint, I, I would question it. I think, you know, some, there's got to be Anything that a guy good. who's selling real steroids has got to be better. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If I can get melanotan from my source, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Uh, hey, question, Scott, question for the next show. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw this one. I'm sick of being the sweatiest MFer in the gym. Literally, I seem to be the only person sweating in my gym, and I'm starting to get conscious about it. I literally, literally look at a plate and start sweating. <laughs> Currently running 500 milligrams of test E a week. Any advice? I wonder if he sweat as much when he, before he was on the cycle. I'd wonder if he just trains harder than everybody in his gym. <laughs> That's Maybe the other thing, right? Gyms, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, a lot that of too. this... A lot of this can come down to, you know, when I was training in gyms in Miami, uh, they may not be air conditioned. You know, Iron Temple isn't, I mean, it is air conditioned. Tony would be yelling at his screen if he heard me say that. But it's, it's just very low air conditioned. They were, they, um, 
what's the word? They rely, like respond, refer. Anyway, they rely more on the swamp cooler than they oh. do the actual air because it helps to keep overhead down. And quite frankly, guys, it's such a hardcore gym that everybody, no one's going to have a problem with sweating anyway. Plus, it's fucking Miami. It is what it is. Yeah, uh, You don't yeah. go to Iron Temple to pick up anybody you're not going there to look for ass it's just that's not what you go there for you go there to fucking train anyway um so you know you have things like the air conditioning you know the temperature what part of the country or world that he's you know that he's training in. but if he's sweating more than anybody else i don't know man to me i pour down sweat and i love it half the time i'll train in sweats and a sweatshirt and a stocking hat i the fact that he doesn't want to i get it but yeah. i don't know if he's going to have too much control over that i think of my brother who has a very very limited um what i want to say uh like sweat system he just doesn't sweat very much but sweating is a, it's a good thing because your body is finding the natural way to keep skin cool from keep you from overheating so it can be beneficial if you're sweating profusely of course with even one percent loss of hydration you start to see muscular contraction decrease significantly mm. so you do want to stay hydrated and you want you don't want it to impact or negatively impact your electrolyte balance as well so you're going to want more point. sodium in your workout water and things like that too um that's a great but point. i would i i would take a look at sodium intake too because you know people this started about 12 years ago where people, my back itches, <laughs> um, <laughs> distraction there, but where people would start to take in more sodium and they, they saw the connection between muscular contractions being so much, so much better, so yeah. much more intense uh, with increased sodium. They saw the pumps being better, yeah. uh, things like that. And it's common now sometimes that people are just taking in too much sodium because yeah, I know that. I was going up a, like a thousand a week. <sighs> And I did it every week. I started at like 2,000. I went up to three. I went up to four. I got yeah. to like seven or 7,500. And this is before Steve Kuklo did it. I want to think Steve did it because he heard me talk about it because <laughs> it was shortly after that that he did it. And I don't know if that was the case or not. But I mean, I'm thinking like it was 06 because I was in Michigan okay. at this time. Anyway, the, I went into the gym that day. And I laughed and said all I had to do was turn my head and I yeah. would start pouring <laughs> down sweat. So if yeah. you're taking in too much sodium, then – you know what's your body gonna, it's got to get rid of it through piss or respiration or, yeah. or uh, perspiration they're the only three ways you're going to get rid of it so you're going to sweat huge profusely so you can look at your sodium intake and see if it's too high if you you know because he may even say oh shit okay i'm at you know 5500 or something you don't necessarily i think there's a point of no return yeah, I didn't get better pumps or better muscular contractions at 7,000 or 7,500 than I did at, say, four or 5,000. So we have to kind of balance. Yes, we want more sodium because we're bodybuilders and we're sweating a lot. We want the muscular contractions and we want the pump. But taking in that amount of sodium on a continuous, constant, consistent basis probably isn't terribly healthy, even with our high water intake. I just I don't. I don't feel as good about that now as I did back Balance. then, probably because I was 36 and I'm 52 now. <laughs> I wouldn't want to take in that amount of sodium now because I don't think it's, you know, if you were consistently taking in more and more and more and your workouts were be better and you were at, you had noticeably better pumps and you had noticeably better muscle contractile force, okay. But I think there's a point of no return. So pay attention to that when you're taking in a lot of sodium. But I would I agree. ask the guy who asked that question to check his sodium intake first. From there, yeah. it may just be that genetically, you sweat. Look at your brothers. Look at your sisters. Do they, yeah, we, you know, some people will uh, uh, detox more readily through their skin than other people. Mm -hmm. I, I, there's a guy, a client I work with who's local. Shout out to Phil. We trained in the gym together, and man, he was like sweating buckets within the first five minutes. He was like, oh, yeah, I sweat. He like had to wipe down the bench before. Usually, I'm like, yeah, a little sweat on it. I don't care. He was like, oh, no, no, let me wipe that down because he was just like, <laughs> there's literally drips running off of it after he gets yeah. up from the thing. So there, there are those people, and if he's always been that way, then maybe it's not the, you know, maybe it is a genetic thing, but I think you're sure. totally right. That's a, that's a great point. And you know what, too? Um, Hydration, I think. Hydration and salt. Those are the two, I think, main things to help us be able to get a pump, right? And, and, and be able to help to uh, the, the, the contractility of the muscle. And for me, endurance. 
And if if he is in a deficit with that stuff, like if it's not a sodium thing, but he is sweating a lot, he would probably be more likely to tap in a workout than the guy next to him who isn't sure. sweating as much. You know, yeah. his his fluid requirements will probably be a lot higher. And that also then like, what about health markers? If you're constantly in a dehydrated state, how are your kidneys? You know, stuff yeah. like that too. So, yeah. and he was bringing up that he was on, I think 500 milligrams of testinanthate. Honestly, yeah. I don't think the gear is going to play into how much you sweat. You're not going to all of a sudden go on a cycle. I don't think, uh, there may be somebody out mm. there who may disagree, but you're not going to go on a cycle all of a sudden and just start pouring down sweat where you weren't before you have. Um, so I would agree. Probably. What about the we have increased mineral retention when we are so we are more sensitive to sodium. We would hold more sodium while on cycle. So there could be a potential. But I think if he's still I have a feeling it's not just on cycle. You know what I mean? I have a feeling this yeah. guy's always been, you know, some people are just sweaters. I think right? he would probably see that. I think he would have already seen that before asking the question and be like, okay, it's while I'm on gear. If yeah. you are fat, because there is a caveat there. If you oh. hold a higher level of body fat and you're running longer esters that are going to make you hold more water, it is possible that you, you could sweat more. I think with the mineral retention though, that you're talking about, honestly, yeah. that's more muscle related. It's not going to have to do I don't know. with sweating. I don't, I don't know. know if you're that holding more fluid up. over, if you're holding more sodium overall, I just think it's just in general. Yeah. I and I think. will say though that, you know, cause someone out there might be thinking, well, there's more than one electrolyte and it has to do with electrolyte balance. It does. But the one that stands out above all others, especially when it comes to pump, when it comes to increasing, you know, the quality of your workouts and uh, contractile force, anything else, it's sodium gets sodium has more control than the other ones. Yeah, I would agree. All right. We got another one here um, from the bull. And I, uh, yeah, this was it. Hey guys, I'm going to take a brief pause to shout out our advertisers. I'm going to try to make this quick, but keep in mind, they're responsible for helping us to put these shows out. If you guys want to support our programming, of course you can do so through Patreon. And thank you to everybody who supports the show through Patreon. I will have links to that below, as well as to all of our advertisers. If you shop with our advertisers, you'll get great products, products that I stand behind, and you'll also be supporting our programming. First of all, check out truenutrition.com if you're in the U.S. I use their hydrolyzed beef collagen every day, and I use their citrulline malate, beta-alanine, and EAA on days that I train. They have high-quality protein powders and tons of flavors. Hit me up if you have any questions. Use our code THINK over there. You'll get some additional savings, plus you'll support our programming, and you'll get some high-quality third-party tested supplements. If you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have blowout deals on top name brand supplements. Uh, they constantly have different things happening. So be sure to go to their site and check them out. I recently saw Carbolin for like 30 bucks off. I mean, you really can't beat those prices. Plus they have free shipping over $99. If you're in the UK, then you probably already know about Strom Sports. They're one of the leader in health supplements in the United Kingdom. Strom Sports Nutrition has standalone supplements like NAC and Tutka, and they have finished blends like Support Max, a high quality, well-priced on-cycle support stack. I've links below to everything. Thanks for watching. Thanks for your support. Says question for the next show. I've recently been having issues with pushing oil into delts. Been using this spot regularly over the past year with no issue. I'm giving the site a break. Is there anything else I should do to try to help the delts out or just leave them alone for a while? And I know, Skip, that you've had your own delt stuff. So I felt yeah. like you've had a lot to probably go on this one. Well, and I don't know what the problem is. I mean, there's a couple mm, problems yeah. that you could be having. Either, like as an example, seeping, where you inject and then, you know, two days later you have it. I think he's having a hard time pushing it in. Oh, well, that's scar tissue. Yeah. <laughs> that one, yeah. If it won't plunge, that's scar tissue. I had it in my quad so bad that I, I had to change from a one inch. This is after years, mind you. And I did a large bulk of my... Uh, injections in my quads because your quads are right there in front of you. You don't have to try to reach around the back and there are, you know, I don't have a sciatic nerve running down my quads. I know a lot of people say they don't like their quads because they get, you know, they have nerves that are jumpy. I have had clients who have had that and I have shown them where 
to inject. And they're like, well, that's way higher than I thought. And yet they do it and they don't have any problems. You also have two spots in your quads. You got the lateral part of the quad, which is where 99% of people go, but you have the rectus femoris too, which for some reason, not a lot of people want to inject into. Um, but it's a great spot, especially if you have been using the lateral part of your quad for a long time and you're having any type of problem. It's like butter. I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, any muscle that hasn't been used is going to be, you know, if you all of a sudden start going into your latch and be like, oh my God, these shots are a breeze versus those shots, those injection sites that you use, you know, repeatedly or have for years and they will build up scar tissue. The other question then becomes obvious and someone may be thinking it while they're listening right now. And that is the gauge of the needle. It does matter hmm. because if you're using a, you know, a 22 versus a, a 27, you're very clearly going to have less damage from a 27 because there's not as much metal going in there and ripping everything up repeatedly over the years. So the, the fallback to that is the smaller, the gauge. it's not smaller, the, the higher number, the gauge, obviously the thinner, the, the needle, it's harder to plunge and it's harder to plunge a thick oil. Uh, so it's not going to go in as easily. You're going it, to, it's funny, you're going to build your thumb pads. <laughs> I you you're going to build up your thumb pad muscles when you're using a smaller uh, or thinner needle. I agree with you, but the, it's also said that you get more damage from this thinner needle because the pressure of the oil going in is higher. A man, and, and that, like the analogy is think of a garden hose without a nozzle on it versus a tight nozzle where it shoots in with more pressure. I, I'm with you. I think that in the long run, I felt less, I don't, I don't jam that oil in either real hard. You know what I mean? Right. But that that's, yeah. that's something I have heard said that the smaller the gauge, the more damage because it's getting you know driven in. Harder. Okay. Could they have misspoken and said when they said smaller gauge, they actually meant a smaller number, meaning yeah, well, a larger gauge. Well, that was the word I used. I'm not quoting anybody right now. A okay, smaller, because, excuse me, a okay. smaller needle. Thank, well, you know. then, okay, so if it's a smaller needle, yeah, then it would be a 20, 27, or I'm using yeah, a 27, let's say 27, 30, you know, they're doing okay, it with so an insulin pin. so you're saying there would be less damage with the smaller... With the bigger needle, because the oil is is flowing in without much pressure versus the you. smaller needle, yeah. it's it's like, you know, like... Okay, like, well, I'm glad I asked you, because it, if I misunderstood, then I wondered if someone, I have to wonder if yes. someone listening may have too. Yes. So yeah, I would agree, because it can go in faster. But here's my my thing, yeah. and I don't have anything to prove this other than the fact that I'm a professional drug user and have used <laughs> a lot of gear for a long time. But I would, I have a hard time believing that the gear being injected is causing scar tissue or more damage than the actual needle. Then a piece of metal. Metal. Yeah, you got metal <laughs> separating and going into bodily tissues. I Yeah. I and, and if someone wants to prove me wrong, if there's some, I will be the first to say holy shit, I never would have thought of that. I am pretty convinced that the damage is from the the needle itself. Now, that's not to say that the you know in the the fluid or the oil doesn't cause like if you just jam it in and not jam it in but if you plunge real fast or something maybe over time that can do something I don't know but the needle I'm quite sure is what's causing I would agree damage. I would agree I've heard that though more than once and so you know I think the thing too is like just because it, you do I think. I do take my time. Like I don't try to shove the oil in as fast as I absolutely can. And I would yeah. prefer like for TRT and stuff, I'd prefer 25 personally. So I'm kind of in the middle there between that 27 and 23, you know? Well, I'm not going to plunge it real fast either. And I'll tell you the yeah. main reason it doesn't even have to do with whether there's going to be damage there. And if I happen to hit cause I've done this, I've talked about this before. I've done it two or three times Yeah, and it is not pleasant where it's, you know, I inject into my delt as an example and I can feel it going up a vein that is going pulmonary it's going and it burns like battery acid so you don't want to have that happen after two mil you want that to happen after about a half a mil you could stop yourself so I'll be even slower with the first half a mil or so and then when i don't feel anything and i know i'm good then i'll pick up the pace a little bit yeah. but i always since that has happened i always take my time i'm not rushing for nothing plus i look i don't know about you or anybody listening but as long as i have done gear i fucking hate 
injections. I'm not there are a fan days either. where I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, sweet, today's not a dosing day. And I hear about people dosing every day. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going to dose once a week, but I'm not going to invite more. And maybe it's because I've had so much scarring over the years that I don't want to increase that any more than I need to. But I just have never... I've never gotten that adrenaline dump like I'm, wow, this is awesome. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm injecting myself. No. That would be a good question for our audience. You know, do you, because there are people out there. In fact, mm -hmm. when I first started cycling, I was excited and not excited to take the shot, but excited like, oh, yeah, this this equals growth, right? This yeah, equals. Yeah, I'm going to grow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool. I was excited about that. Nowadays, I just, for TRT and stuff, which I'm on, I dread it. Uh, yeah. I would be curious to know, comment below. How do you guys feel about shots? Mm -hmm. What's this? We were talking about a vivid dreams earlier, Skip. We just got a Max Holiday question. Cool. He says, um, "Does anyone else experience vivid dreaming episodes the same day you take your injections? Not taking much, just TRT doses. Keep up the good work, guys." I have it on gear. No, I, I never have on gear. It's only been MK. Now, maybe there's something with growth hormone but if there is i've never noticed it and i've done growth for you know far more in the last 10 years than i ever did for the first you know 28 or whatever it is hmm. okay and i haven't noticed it i just notice it with mk and i and i don't know why it's so different let's see vic had a question for us he says um the insulin intra workout is exactly the same protocol Meadows gave me back in 2013. He's referring to a conversation that Andrew and I had about uh, using uh, insulin before training. Um, okay. I couldn't do it for larger muscle groups. Um, I was always worried about going hypo. That made me feel horrible. Uh, but I could use for arms. My question on off season arms or like during an off season arms being a weak muscle group uh would that benefit me uh even with gh not always i think it means even without uh gh um not always can not always can or want to afford it being crazy expensive so basically insulin on its own on a weak body part in the off season the only thing I would say that is try it and see what happens. The, the, you know, the synergy, uh, and I love making jokes about that because it just irritates Walter to no end. But, <laughs> What's and, up, and I don't mean that in a shitty way. Yeah, Walter's a good dude, and he's a hell of a good bodybuilder. He is. Um, I just, he's made a I lot of progress like, working with Dave. Dave yeah, Crossland. exactly. It just made a lot of stink, so I always laugh now when the word comes up. When the up. word but, comes up, I know. Uh, but, you know, the insulin GH thing together, really, I mean, they're just – it's just so – crazy good they just complement themselves or complement both each other i guess really well but i mean insulin should still do its work it's still a storage hormone no matter yeah. what so you know i would say try it obviously i think it's better with with growth um i i can't say maybe i have um, but I can't say that I've ever used insulin pre-workout without growth hormone. Maybe I have. I have, but I'll tell you this, if I have and the results were really good, I would have remembered it. So at mm. least in my situation, if I did it, which I probably have, because I've done damn near everything, but I don't <laughs> remember it. So it probably wasn't crazy results like, oh my God, this really works. This is really great. But everybody's different. Yeah, I used it without growth hormone because it's before I could afford growth hormone, before I had like a you know good connection on it and all that. Uh, I it can still work, in, and I think yeah, it's too, still a storage hormone by yeah, itself. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think you so. could you could do this. You know, I won't say the same thing. You could, but you could do a lot with it. You could do a lot with it, and and that's where I would suggest using it nowadays would be selectively. I you know back in the day. Insulin was something that you just used every day, like three weeks on, three weeks off. Do you remember when people used to do it that way, Skip? Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, it's funny. I wish I was a part of the conversation. I wish I was on the podcast when you guys did talked about the insulin and GH pre-workout because I don't even know what John's protocol is. And, you know, I, he was asking that last question was asking about going hypo. And the only time I have really ever seen someone go hypo is it's basically two different situations i had to look down at my fingers to make sure it was actually 
two. Two. <laughs> How many fingers am yeah. I holding up? Two. Yeah. It's yes, like, what the two. hell is he looking at? Oh, he's looking at his fingers. Um, <laughs> one is you um, take your insulin dose, and instead of immediately start training, you you go up. Oh, I got to take a shit, and then you go take a shit, and you don't have your um, you know your intro with you or anything else and you start sweating profusely and you laugh to yourself <laughs> hypothetically oh i probably shouldn't be in here taking shit right now because you know i'm kind of starting to go hypo and i don't have my intros or anything else so you clean up real fast get your ass back out <laughs> to your intro and start the intro you start sweating That's number one number two is i just had this happen with a client the other day so it's notable um it and it because it's easy to do there was a miscommunication at some point i'd like to think it Ooh. wasn't me uh -oh. because i <laughs> over communicate with my clients but it doesn't really matter it happened anyway yeah so what he was doing was he wasn't taking it immediately to immediately prior to training he was taking it with his last meal prior to training Okay. So by the time he got to the gym and he started training, he was starting to go hypo. And we found it right away, thankfully. But those, you know, it's funny because if anybody's listening, they go, God, that's just, that's just stupid. Gosh, you must not have explained it to him well. Or gosh, your client's dumb. No, it's, that's not what it is. It could be argued that I didn't explain it clearly. But because I've been doing what I do so long, I tend to think that I did cover it. But it's possible that I didn't. The point is, is that these little things matter these little yeah. things that are misunderstood can matter and they can turn into issues they can turn into problems so always over communicate with your coach if you're a coach over communicate and never assume yeah. that you have covered everything you have to be crystal clear and i'll take it one step further if something like this happens you have to own it as the coach because even if you told them and they didn't get it you need to drive home the important shit so that there's no way that there can be a mis mistake made especially with insulin yeah yeah that's a that's a great point man and i it yeah i i wonder if he has enough carbs that would i mean it's a simple answer but I wonder if he has enough carbs to cover the insulin. Yeah, and he's I wonder taking. what the dosing is. I mean, I don't know what you know John's dosing is. I don't know how you guys do it, but dosing, as far as you know, my opinion goes with with dosing pre workout for insulin. It doesn't have to be it's high. Not what would be? Not let me ask you this: to top end, top end, how many units? Well, top end is so different. It's like with politics or anything else. You have these extremes. Okay, average. You know, but I'm saying an average. average yeah, average top five, end. Six. Yep, exactly. Five, Me six, too. Maybe eight. And minimum. Yeah. Uh, shit. I mean, two or three. I, I honestly don't think that you need to start with less than. I think three or four is a good place to start, and that's being conservative. Yeah. Because. And the other thing is, is I won't have a client start on the first day when they've never done it before and going and train legs yeah. because I just don't want to open up like, you know, maybe you train harder than I even think you do. I don't know. Ah. Maybe you bump into somebody at the gym and you're at this hardcore gym and you just figure, fuck it, I'm going to train with them. And then all of a sudden you're running lower. But you have to remember, too, you have the initial hit of the insulin, but you also have another peak, too. And that's why it's important prior to training because you benefit from it while the insulin dose while you're training, but you also benefit from it post-workout nutrition as well, because there's going to be another bit of a jump or a little bit of a spike in another hour and a half as well. I've always heard that. And you know what? I'll just put myself out there as, as sounding dumb. If I'm, if you know, I'm wrong about this. Cause I always, I always hear people in bodybuilding say that there's the two two peaks to an insulin, especially like a humulin R say that there's two peaks you got to watch yeah. out for. I've always just wondered to myself, is it just that the insulin is still working and the carbs have worn off? Is it, it could is it, be. you know what I mean? Is yeah. it, that, is it cause that's what my thought has been. I've never really talked about that with anybody. I'm literally just, you know, free balling it here on the podcast and I'm willing to sound dumb, but I honestly no, I have think, felt like that, you know, I think what, what you might be saying, and, and I know I have thought this in the past is I don't want to mislead and say that there's like an actual, like the drug itself peaks and then it comes out and goes up. I think the peaks are the potential when you're taking in carbs ah, or the, the impact on the blood sugar. And that see, would be directly related. That makes to, sense when you say yeah, it that so, way. I've so, always read that I'm, when people say two peaks, I've always heard it in my head as it's going to have a strong effect 
and then it's going to wear off a little bit and then it's going to have a strong effect again. But the way you say, the way you just explained that is different than the way I've always heard it in my head, if that makes sense. Yeah. So with that peak, I mean, you know, if it's a, I mean, think about it. I can't, and Dr. Scott would be a great one to ask this question right now because I'm yeah. not sure I have the answer either. But for a drug to peak twice, <laughs> just from the drug itself, right. that's not... So I don't I don't want to say it's impossible, but it doesn't seem logical. It doesn't right. seem right, and that's what I've always thought too. So yeah. I've always thought the insulin just keeps working. Our carbs wear off. We need more carbs. You know, yeah, it would build. I mean, I can certainly see it if, if it yeah. were to build, but then not to dip and then go up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I mean, what I was going to say in response to your question initially when I didn't understand exactly what you're saying was all you got to do is not get your post workout <laughs> nutrition real quick and you'll see how fast you go hypo oh yeah oh yeah but like even i mean it, we don't need a ton of insulin to cover like you said you know three four units so i wonder how much vic is using if he's going hypo on these workouts right. and how many carbs he has because i feel like you know what throw an extra scoop of intra in there in your off season and you're probably not going to go hypo anymore if it's yeah. in that four or five unit range you know and some people will also subscribe to, you know, as far as your intra carbs to hit, you know, half of them right out of the gate after yeah. the injection. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't subscribe to that only because I, I, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's just a different method. Yeah. But I do make sure that it is consistent and it's constant and that the level like they literally have X amount of carbs and they ride those carbs throughout. And the reason I say that is because I think that you to hit them all at the beginning um, to me when you're not yet depleting glycogen stores, like you're going to be more, you're going to tend to be de relying upon glucose more as you get deeper into your workout. Okay. So. Yeah. You know, it, let's, let's say someone trains, let's just say this, there would be a difference, I think, between someone who trains for 45 minutes versus someone who trains for two hours. Yeah. So to get all the, your know, half of your carbs in the first part of a two hour workout, then you're not running on very many carbs. You're only going to be running on half those amount of carbs for the last hour and a half of your workout uh, versus it being only a 45 minute workout. There's a, there's a difference there with training, which is another point that your insulin use your carbohydrate intake you know will vary can vary dramatically when it comes to let's say you're training dc training versus training high volume for oh two for hours. sure for sure so you know those things a lot of people get caught up in you know well you know i'm taking in even just post take insulin out of the equation and you, you talk about post workout in, um, carbohydrate or intracarb if you're training more and you're going to come out of that session more depleted, then you clearly have a higher demand for carbs and calories than you would if your workouts, even though they're intense, might only be 45 minutes. I'd agree 100%. And who trains for 45 minutes? I don't want to slam anybody, but I it takes me 20 minutes to get warmed up on any muscle that I'm training. I'm half done at that point. 30 minutes before your, your, your stretches. Right. So yeah, exactly. You're yeah. not even like, you're not even started yet at 45 yeah. minutes. And I would in. never, I never take anything prior to stretching. Never would, never would do that. I don't even listen to my music when I'm stretching. I get ready for my workout when I'm ready to ready to train. And that would mean insulin. That would mean intra carbs, everything. All right. Well, listen, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, for another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, I'm here with Skip Hill. Go to teamskip.com. You can reach out to Skip over there. McNallyDiets at gmail.com. You can hit me up for coaching over there. Uh, go to our great sponsors, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Uh, who else? Supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. And uh, Strom Sports Nutrition if you're in the UK. Also, thank you to everybody from Patreon. I appreciate you guys helping out with the show. Skip, as always, it has been a pleasure, my friend.